Hello, we are Restoration Church Chicago and welcome to our podcast. You can connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission is to glorify Jesus everywhere, and that includes right here, right now. Thanks for tuning in. And for this morning, we will cover through John chapter 7, verses 25 through 44. Uh, As a quick reminder, Jesus was preaching at the festival of tabernacles in John chapter 7. So he went to this festival in secret because he didn't want to make a big deal of his arrival, mainly because his time has not come yet. We learned last week that Jesus' earthly brothers wanted to announce his appearance to everyone because they wanted Jesus to show himself to the world. That's in in verse 4. This is not too different than what we learn in John chapter 6 where the people wanted to make him king by force. He didn't want to show himself to everyone else because his time has not come yet in terms of to reveal himself as the Son of God who came to take away the sins of all mankind. And, And how he would show himself to everyone else, how he would show himself to the whole world is not in the manner which everyone, including his disciples, were expecting. His time has not come yet. Speak to his perfect obedience in the will of our Heavenly Father. I want to very briefly speak on the topic of timing because the timing of when or how to carry out the will of God is a very important topic. As we can see from, from this example, when Jesus keeps saying, my time has not come yet. And in and, and previous examples, he did not allow himself to be captured by the Pharisees because he realized his time has not come yet. Right? He, he did not allow the people to make him king by force. But as we go through the chapter of John, we realize that toward the end, when his time has come, he allowed himself to be taken by the Pharisees. Uh, as of right now, we're still in uh, only chapter 7 of 21, so it's going to be a little while before he allowed himself to be captured. And, and timing is uh, also very important when it comes to the prophetic. And I would say it is the most important ingredient. And I really feel that I need to speak on this for just a minute. Because uh, briefly, godly prophetic, for what it means, I know you hear the word prophetic a lot, but godly prophetic is a glimpse of a supernatural revelation of an image or a, a dream, something that we see in a dream, or a vision, or a supernatural revelation of a word, or an understanding of something that has not happened yet, but will eventually come true. So we just get a glimpse of it. But once we actually fully see it in the whole picture, then we'll see the whole thing. So that's what a godly prophetic is. Uh, A biblical example that I want to use to help us uh, have a better understanding is, is when Uh, From Genesis chapter 37, I think most of us know this well, it's from Joseph. When Joseph had a prophetic dream, right, he had a prophetic dream that all his brothers would bow down to him. Uh, That was in Genesis 37. So as Joseph, at the time, he was only 17, and he shared this with his brothers, and he was half expecting for them, hey, I had this dream, so why don't you guys giddy up and bow down to me? Because the timing was not correct. The timing was not right. The result of that was 
we are, I think most of us know what happened, is Joseph's brothers sold him off as a slave. Actually, it's very sad. I actually cried when I was reading this over again because all these brothers sold off the younger brother into slavery. It's like, ah! Oh, if Liam ever does that to Joe, he's going to be in a lot of trouble. So Joseph was expecting something to happen, right, before it actually happened. So we're talking about timing. So, so Joseph had to go through some really tough times, eventually mature from all the challenges and all the obstacles, and remain steadfast and in trusting God's plan for his life. He trusted that God has a plan, and I'm going to go through this, whether I stay in prison, it doesn't matter how long I stay in prison, and who I had to serve. Um, so Joseph, so he, and then eventually, because he remained steadfast, he rose to become second in command over all of Egypt. So what Joseph saw in his prophetic dream in Genesis 37, which would happen many years later, when uh, in Genesis 42. So that's when his brothers were actually bound down to him. And actually they were glad to bow down to him in Genesis 42 because that's God's timing, right? We're going back to timing. When we expect God, when we expect to see something happen before his timing, due to a glimpse of the prophetic future, the result is you're going to get sold off into slavery. But when you naturally follow God, be steadfast in his timing and trusting for things to come, in the way that it should. His brothers willingly bowed down, and they were glad that they were bowing down to Joseph and not someone else. So, um, so the, the result of that also is J- Joseph was, as he went through this trial and tribulations, he was gracious to his brothers and acknowledged everything that happened was all in God's plan. And you can see that in Genesis 45. So going back to the prophetic timing, what was revealed to us is only a glimpse of a future. Trust in God's plan. And his timing and that prophetic vision will come true, no matter how hard it is. Timing is the most crucial ingredient. It's important to trust in God's timing, regardless of what we see and regardless of what we experience around us. So therefore, when Jesus said, my time is not here yet, it is a significant statement, right? It doesn't sound like it's a big deal, but it's a significant statement because in order to obey and follow God and trust in him, you need to follow out his time, his timing. And it spoke to Jesus, his incredible and perfect obedience to the Father's will. So, so we can take comfort in knowing this truth as we follow Jesus and trust in God's will for our life. So as we do that, trusting in his timing for the things that he has for us and, and follow him, the outcome will be glorious, right? Just like the outcome for Joseph. He was trying to do something before his timing happened. He got sold off into slavery. But when he actually um, sees something that happened, according to God's timing, he saved all of Israel. The whole nation of Israel was saved by Joseph because of his timing. Uh, So just as the outcome of Jesus, perfect obedience led to salvation for all mankind. So anyway, I just want to briefly speak into the topic of timing and how when we see a glimpse and a vision, trust in God's timing. We may think that it should happen sooner, but trust in his timing. So let, let's read these verses together, starting with verse 25. She just wants to come back and hear the preaching. That's why. <laughs> At this point, okay, uh, verse 25. I should have it on the slide behind me. At this point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is, speaking publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? But we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, no one 
will know where he is from. They assume the authorities have concluded that Jesus was the Messiah. However, just as quickly as the suggestion of, of the, authorities, uh, the authorities concluded that he was the Messiah, they doubted themselves. They started asking questions, right? I think that happens a lot to most of us where we think, oh, this is what happened, and then we're beginning to doubt ourselves. In terms of this is what God has planned for us, and we're beginning to doubt ourselves. So they were under the assumption that the Messiah would be hidden from before creation until the moment of his self-disclosure, appearing in all the military glory, I think we know that, to lead God's people in conquering all of um, her enemies. So they assumed they knew where he came from in, in terms of implying that Jesus was just a mere mortal. Right? We know where he came from. So therefore, regardless of what the authorities may have concluded, may, may have said, well, maybe the, authority conclu- the authorities concluded that he was the Messiah, but since we know where he came from, he can't be the Messiah, right? So, so I think that's something that, that we see a lot. Just, just as someone who has been transformed through the, uh, through, through the knowledge of who Jesus is, if you know that person beforehand, you kind of like, well, no, he can't be like that because I knew him. I knew him when he was young. So it's the same thing. It's a very common human reaction. All right, so let's keep on going. Then Jesus still teaching in the temple courts, and he cried out, yes, you know me, and you know where I'm from. And I, I want to pause really quick to say I, I'm going to add a little something to help us understand what Jesus was trying to say. And this is not blasphemy. I'm just trying to help from the preaching standpoint. So give me some grace here. So Jesus is saying, yes, you know me and you think you know where I'm from. I'm not here on my own authority, but he's, who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him because I am from him and he sent me. It was as if Jesus knew and heard what they were saying among themselves. And he cried out to answer them, to address what they were talking about. At first, he confirmed that they think they knew where he was from, where he came from, right? Then he went on to further address their understanding of where he really came from, that he was sent from God the Father. That last sentence, verse 29, I think it's still up there, was a deep cut. Right, as a statement of truth that truly gets to the heart of his listeners. You do not know him. You do not know him. So this is about a God whom they, the listeners, whom they serve, whom they worship, whom they profess to, to dedicate their lives to, who they proclaim to be their God and their, his people, whom they have accepted ridicules from other nations because of how they live, because of the law they follow. And Jesus said, you do not know him. So if we fully understand that, that is an incredible statement that Jesus just said. It's almost the same thing as some, uh, after hearing the preaching and we are worshiping God, someone would come in and say, you do not know Jesus. I mean, if you hear that, right, that has, it's going to cut to the bone. Well, cut deep, so to speak. You do not know him. It was because they especially thought that God has made himself known to them in the law. But the law, Jesus has already insisted, points to himself. We, we, we learned this from John 5, verse 46. So if the Jews, who did not recognize who Jesus is, it must be because they do not really understand the law. They do not really know the heart of the God who gave them the law. 
For if they had really known him, really known his heart, know who God is, then they would have accepted the son. They would not have rejected him. So indeed, now that Jesus has come, sent by the Father, his very presence serves as a, as a test to those who profess to know God. The implication is that those who recognize who he is really do know God. And those who cannot discern who he is cannot possibly know God, especially not now when the very focal point of his self-disclosure um, is the incarnate, incarnate word before them. So this caused many to be angry, right? I think we would be angry if someone come in and say, you do not know Jesus. So this caused them to be angry, so they tried to seize them, but were unable to do so because his time has not come yet. All right, let's continue to read uh, in verse 30. At this, they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come, right? We keep hearing that over and over again. It's not because he was a magical disappearing act or because he was so good at escaping. His time has not come yet, so they're not able to do anything. Still, many in the crowd believed in him. They said, when the Messiah comes, will he perform more signs than this man? The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. So the Pharisees didn't like how some people were beginning to believe in Jesus. So what it means is believing in Jesus, meaning they no longer believe in the Pharisees. So that's why they didn't like it. And how he accused them of not knowing God. So they sent out the temple guards to arrest Jesus. In the meantime, Jesus continued to teach, or I would like to say he continued to preach, right? Because he wanted to preach about who is the Son of God. He wanted to preach about the gospel. And he wanted to answer them about when the Messiah comes. So, so let's read verse 33. Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time. And then I am going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. He knew his time on earth is coming to an end. Which is why he said, I am with you for only a short time. After that, he will return to the glory he had with the Father before creation. So his statement in verse 34 was to address his critics and his enemies. It was also a reminder from Proverbs, verse one, uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 28. I'll, I'll read it to you guys. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer them. They will look for me, but will not find me. And the reason that they would not find Jesus because the answer in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 29 to 31, which followed the reason for why God would not answer them is since they hated knowledge. A translation is since they hated truth. Since they hated truth and did not choose to fear the Lord. Since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke. They will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. So upon hearing this, obviously the Jews still didn't understand or wouldn't understand, so they spoke among themselves. It's like, wait, what is this guy saying? So let's read verse 35. The Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, you will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come? Uh, let's continue reading. So on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, 
Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Let me read that again. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit has not been given, since Jesus has not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. Others said, He is the Messiah. Still, others asked, How can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not Scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus, the people were divided because of Jesus. So in order to understand the reason for what Jesus said on that last and the greatest day of the festival, so we need to know some of the rituals that happened during this festival. Number one, festival, the festival of Tabernacles lasts seven days, and throughout this festival, there are many different rabbis and teachers will come and teach on their history to remind them of all the things that had happened, right? to, to remind them and to teach them about all the prophets, the, all the things that they have spoken and, and, to, uh, and, and what they have said and what they have spoken so then the people can hear it again and remember and hold on to it. And throughout the festival, the priests pray for rain constantly, which is water. The, 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 the term that Jesus will eventually use. So they pray for rain and they pray for the resurrection of, of the dead, which is life. So Jesus is trying to remind them, I'm the life, I'm the water of life that will come to you. And, and also, um, among the rituals at the festival on the last day, the greatest day, the greatest ritual is when the priests will gather around the altar and pull out the waters around the altar. And as the water will flow from the altar. So this is to flee, reflect reflect back to God's provision of water during the Exodus and God's pouring out His Spirit during the last day. So as they pouring out the water throughout the altar on the very last day, again, to remind them of God's provision for, for water, and they also pour out the wine, which is to remind them of God's pulling out His Spirit during the last day. It is also to replicate what was spoken in Ezekiel 47. Uh, I want to encourage you guys to go and read that chapter again, Ezekiel 47, because he prophesied of what he saw. He saw water flowing from the temple, and wherever the water went, there was life. The water just went all the way to the Dead Sea, and there's life, the fish and trees would grow, because we know that the Dead Sea, nothing grows. But in that prophetic vision from Ezekiel 47, water was flowing from the temple to all the directions around the temple, bringing life everywhere. So essentially, Ezekiel 47 is about water of life flowing from under the temple and going deeper and wider, bringing life everywhere. So with that understanding, right, going back to, let's look at that verse, on the last and greatest day. So after the people have witnessed and reminded again, of that ritual of the priest pouring out water and pouring out wine from the altar to all the areas around it. He said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, because they were reminded again of what just happened, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. 
So Jesus offered living water on the last and greatest day of the festival. So he waited until the last day until people were reminded again of all the ceremony rituals that they were doing, of, of being uh, reminded of all the things that had happened, reminded of the, the prophetic that was spoken by Ezekiel in Ezekiel 47, of why the, te- uh, the water was being pulled out from the, from the altar and, and the water coming from the temple was bringing life to everyone. And he stood up and he said those things. Living water will flow from within them. So what Jesus is trying to say is, in the past, life was flowing from the temple, but now, as you drink from me, the rivers of living water will flow from within each of you, within each of us. So he's reminding them of, number one is Isaiah 51, let those who, who want to drink, come, drink for free eat, drink wine, eat food for free, right? So he's saying, let those who thirst for water come and drink. And also he give, bring them back to the great vision that the people have just witnessed from Ezekiel 47 is water flowing from the temple. And I'm going to read one verse from Ezekiel 47 verse 9, which I just read before worship. is Ezekiel 47 verse 9. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. That's when it was talking about flowing to the Dead Sea because the Dead Sea has salt water. Nothing lives in the Dead Sea. And even then, things will live again. So where the river flows, everything will live. So the water of life now will be coming from each individual as we drink from Jesus as we take upon Jesus. So that's why he stood up and he's trying to remind them. Because in the Old Testament, right, before Jesus, back in the old day, everything was done at the temple, right? Everybody needs to go to the temple and that's where the life of God, the Spirit of God would reside from the temple and it would flow from there. But now, through Jesus, when we have Jesus within us, that rivers of living water will flow from within each of us. Right? So through Jesus, each of us has become a temple of God. So there's multiple. So there isn't one place that we have to go to be, to be spiritual or to receive from God or to hear from God. Through Jesus, we can hear from God anywhere, anytime, and rivers of living water will flow from within us through the Holy Spirit because God has deposited the Holy Spirit within each of us. It starts with us and it flows from us. So, I know we know this, and we talked about this all the time, but just so you know, in terms to hear from God, you don't have to come to church and kneel down and ask God to speak to you. You can hear Him anywhere. You can be refreshed by Him anywhere, anytime, through Jesus. And therefore, the kingdom of God is within us, right? You don't have to go to a temple somewhere, because through Jesus, the kingdom of God resides within us, and it goes wherever that we go. So this is why God's intention is that now, now, through the church, we need to remember that. Through the church, it's in Ephesians chapter 3, that, that boggles my mind in terms of like why God wants to use us, use me, each one of us, to share his manifold wisdom to everyone around us. Like, none of us, maybe I just speak for myself, I'm not capable. I'm not capable of sharing God's goodness to all those around us. But somehow, he wants to use us through the church each and every one of us, that he wants to share his goodness, his power, and his love to all those around us. So, so 
that means from Mondays through Saturdays, right? And, and that's why it's important for us to come on Sunday, to be reminded of that truth again. That God doesn't just reside here. He wants us to gather so we can be refreshed. We can be envisioned. We can be renewed. We can be recharged. We can be reminded again of the goodness of our God. And together, encouraging one another. And, and so then we can take that rivers of living water, right? We can take that rivers of living water that flow from within us to our friends, to our families, to our neighbors, to our co-workers. There's a rivers of living water that flows from within us through Jesus. So we don't have to like go to church uh, on a Saturday just so I can tell someone about Jesus on Wednesday. Tap into Jesus. Go to church on Sunday because God tells us to come together and gather one another. It's important. It's very important. Don't get me wrong. It's very important. But we don't have to come to church just so we can hear from God. We can hear from Him wherever, through Jesus. So I want to bring this morning to a close by repeating what Jesus said. Let anyone who is thirsty come to Jesus and drink. Whoever believes in Jesus, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So through Jesus, as I've said before, we are the rivers of living water. And the rivers of living water will flow from within each of us. Right? The, Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is within each of us. The kingdom of God accompanies us wherever we go. So let the rivers of living water flow from within us to all those around us. Like the, river, the rivers of living water has been given to us freely. Right? Freely. I hope no one had to pay for that because you got cheated if you had to pay for that. It's freely. The rivers of living water has been given to us freely. So let's give that rivers of living water to others. Share with others. Tell others about what we have received. This incredible, incredible gift that we have through Jesus. And maybe a practical way is how do we let these rivers of living waters flow? Rivers of living water. No S behind waters. Rivers of living water flow from us. The way to do that is to, to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Number one. And, and God's teaching, which is in scriptures, in how we live and how we interact with one another. We cannot just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and ignore scriptures. Because if, when they contradict what we hear from God and what we see in scriptures, that means we heard wrong. So we have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, and it has to be in line with scriptures, in line with what God has been teaching us and what we learn from it. That's why it's important for us to learn and go through the Gospel of John. We've learned about Colossians. We, we've learned about Hebrews and, and all the other books. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and God's teaching in how we live and how we interact with others and tell them about Jesus, right? Because that's, that's how they experience the goodness of God through who we are and what we have done. The rivers of living water is free for all and is free to all. So I want to end by just saying that the rivers of living water will flow from within them, within each of us. Remember that. Remember that always. We have it. Let it out. Allow it to flow. So um, I want to bring it to a close by saying that um, we'll finish John chapter 7 next Sunday. And um, just remember what Jesus 
has taught here. And remember how Jesus is constantly bringing back to the Old Testament because what happened in the past, all the signs point to Jesus. And as he speaks to them, as he, speak, as he spoke to the people, or he speaks now, he speaks to us, he's letting, reminding them of what had happened and how things are being transformed now through who he is and what he's doing and what he's saying. So um, it's very exciting. I want to encourage you guys to go home Read through this passage again on your own time and allow God to speak to you individually about the things that He has planned for each and every one of us. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram.